Hello and welcome, Diana, to RegTech Impact. Please introduce yourself. Uh, hi. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm Diana Paredes. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Suede. Um, and what we do is that we, we normalize large amounts of data in order to produce uh, reports, analytics, calculations. And how would I explain my job very simply uh, to, you know, my family or my grandpa or, or grandma? Um, I would say that, you know, we are working hard to prevent the next financial crisis, right? And we, we realized it was a huge a problem that came, you know, on the back of 2008, uh, that regulation was the way forward, but that technology to serve the regulation was really not, you know, appropriate. And, uh, you know, we're quite focused on financial services, uh, but obviously, you know, rec tech is a problematic everywhere. Um, but there is a reality that, you know, I, I think that the impact of technology in the rec tech space for financial services is not necessarily maximized as we speak. And so that's basically how I would describe the, the work that we're doing. So maximizing the impact of technology to prevent the next financial crisis in financial services. Oh, interesting. But maybe we can talk about, Diana, when did you first hear the word RegTech? Yeah, so actually, the, the when we started, uh, the word RegTech was not really being used a lot. Uh, and we really believed that that was a sector. And, you know, we coined it. We actually started using it as Suede uh, from the very beginning. And uh, to the point, actually, that, you know, we own the, the Twitter handle at Rectech. So we we actually have thought that, you know, Rectech was a sector on its own from the very beginning of our journey. Um, and I can't remember how, you know, we first heard the word Rectech. I can just tell you that I know we've been using it for a really long time and that we used it back when we started the company, which was in 2014, when that word actually was not really used a lot, right? So it's... Uh, it's actually uh, yeah been part of our, our journey as well the the growth of Rectech in many ways. Oh, interesting, but if you talk about Rectech, how do you define Rectech? Do you have a definition? So for me, Rectech is very much um, you know in some ways. For example, the UK regulator has taken this approach of Rectech being about new technology, right? And so for me, Rectech is very much you know, new technology 101, enterprise software innovation for enterprise software in the industry, right, in financial services. So when I think of, of RegTech, for me, it has a lot to do with new technologies. It has a lot to do with uh, enterprise software. And fundamentally, I'm, I'm always very wary of anything that, you know, of like lipstick on a pig, right? So anything that pretends to be RegTech, but actually is the same architecture of something that, you know, used to happen 20 years ago, old school, SQL, closed architecture type things. Um, I'm very wary of that because that's not the best that technology can offer to the financial industry. And that's fundamentally just old school technology, um, you know, just repackaged as RegTech. So you want to be careful with that as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. In one sentence, maybe you have a sentence for define RegTech? Do we have one sentence? I would say, yeah, new technologies applied for enterprise software in the financial industry to apply for regulatory problems. Thank you. It's very short and keep it simple. Um, if you talk about new technology, I mean, what do you think are the three major upcoming RegTech technology trends? Do you have yeah, of course. I mean, 
you know, we leverage of machine learning and natural language processing in our work. So I think that the opportunities around artificial intelligence are, are huge when it comes to, to automation and, and regulation. Um, another technology, you know, the, that is maybe not necessarily uh, upcoming, but I think that cloud computing, you know, is, it's a long it's a long time coming in many ways, right? We we really have seen the industry grow, the the usage of cloud computing, but really still not enough for for what's possible. And so I think um, I would say that you know obviously for financial services, cloud computing leveraging more of that of the public cloud is is the the way forward. And lastly, you know, I would say that. Uh, I mean, artificial intelligence is obviously like an extreme way of automation in some ways, but just more basic automation um, is very much at the core of rec tech, right? So anything that people are currently doing in old school spreadsheets, uh, you know, where you have to press, you know, F9 to refresh, that kind of stuff, that's really something of the past, right? And so in some ways, automation um like just literally you know like rpa that kind of stuff is it would be the three major maybe not upcoming but right tech technology trends i would say oh interesting and um if you think about rec tech uh, which topic should rec techs work on do they have some ideas yeah i mean i think that the there is a vast amount of things that people are doing in financial services um, that are really not automated, right? So we're effectively follows very old school approaches in, you know, data processing or in terms of, you know, um, like analysis and, and calculations that require this kind of old school Excel type approach. And so if I was thinking of starting a rec tech, uh, which is basically what we did uh, a few years ago, I would try to find in financial services this kind of processes that are very manual, that are very boring, uh, that people are really just sitting on the next, you know, next to their desk waiting for the computer to refresh, uh, that could be automated, right? And that's really the, the the opportunity, right? So it's not necessarily about a topic per se, whether it's AML or regulatory reporting or MIFID or whatever it is, right? It's it's a reality that the topics that directex should work on are all of these topics that have a regulatory component, but there are right now processes really clunky within the financial organization. Regulation is a, you know, a necessary spend. It's a necessary evil if you want. So use the regulation as a way to help financial services to become more automated. Interesting. Automation, that's right, very important. Uh, but let me think about the question, um, how RegTech can help reduce the cost of regulation. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the cost of regulation has, you know, we have always been speaking in, in RegTech about this tsunami of regulation. There is plenty of metaphors on the amount of regulation that has come out above all post-crisis. There's plenty of um, funny drawings and memes around it. And lawyers have had a blast, right? So there is a reality that, 
the cost of regulation, the cost of absorption and implementation in the industry is 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 dramatic. And and the main problematic, I would say, is that legislation uh, and regulation is fundamentally published in a format that is not machine readable, right? So it's not programmatic, and it's always done, you know, through the legislative process and through, you know, I guess law. <clears throat> sorry, type language. Um, it's written by lawyers. It's lead, written by regulators, and obviously, that's very different than what you know developers would do. And what happens is that in the process of implementation and implementation within a bank of the regulation has to be done through the technology departments. And so, in many ways, the the conversation between you know the developers at the bank or the technology department at a bank and the um, the financial departments of finance or risk or compliance, um, there is a huge gap in that conversation. They're very different types of individuals and they have a very different expertise, but somehow they have to implement the regulation in technology departments with very little knowledge about what the law means, right? And so the the I think the the really the secret when it comes to RegTech and having a successful RegTech is around the fact that you're reducing costs because you're really helping to reduce the friction in that conversation between very different departments or very different entities within an organization. Um, and so we often say that we are, you know, bridging the regulatory gap through modern technology uh, or that, you know, we're really trying to, to work um, close, I guess, with the technology departments, but also with the, the people who have to do submissions and who have to do analysis um, and our technology becomes almost this like platform that is the bridge between these you know two kinds of individuals, right? Fundamentally, the regulators and the legislators and the legal type language and people who have to actually implement things pragmatically because regulation impacts data absorption of data, filtering of data. All of that is done through databases. All of that is done through code. You know, all of that is done through um, things programmatically, and so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reducing the cost is through being a bridge, basically. Mm -hmm. Can we say you are building bridge for better regulations? Yeah, completely. Building bridges for better regulation, right? It's... uh, That's what Vectech is all about. Yeah. It's, it's a very hard uh, task, but it's very important also. But yep. uh, let me think about how Rectech can help reduce the cost of regulation. I mean, if you put more building bridges, it's getting more expensive. Or can or, or I can say that how Rectech can help reduce the cost of regulation? Do you have an idea? Well, of course. I mean, all of this automation, all of this... Um, approach to basically absorb the regulation in a way that's more programmatic basically means that you don't need to, you know, do manually a lot of the processes or the analysis or, you know, hire as much professional services or do all of these things that are quite manual that currently the industry is doing. So something that becomes more programmatic and automatic reduces the friction, reduces the 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 I guess the, the need for very manual interventions and those are very costly and they're costly, you know, not just in the in the fact of like you know clunky processes and licenses etc. But also they're costly in the, in the sense of you know potential fines, potential mistakes, potential things that you might do wrong just because of the nature of it being manual. Um, and so you know I think that the you know RegTech can really help alleviate 
the the cost by just removing the friction that there is between manual processes mm-hmm. and the opportunity of bringing automation as far as possible when it comes to the regulatory space. That means Cracktech can also don't be like a cost factor or more being a value or revenue factor. Of course, right? So once you've resolved and automated the things that can be automated, then that becomes an opportunity to also open up and ask yourself other questions, right? So what we find with our customers very often is that they spend so much time just, you know, fighting fires so that they don't get in trouble with the regulators and, you know, adopting new regulation without really thinking the right way through it as an opportunity, really, um, because they just have to make sure that they comply within a certain time frame and everything that they have internally before we, you know, we arrive is actually, again, very manual, very clunky, old school type technology. And so the cost of adapting to the new regulation or to change in the regulation is tremendous. And so what that means is that everything is kind of done like a project band-aid rather than a more strategic take on, okay, so we can implement this regulation and it's asking us to do this or to do, you know, to give like a leverage ratio, but then maybe I can use my leverage ratio as a way to, you know, think differently about my balance sheet and find more opportunities in the market to, you know, like trade more interesting things or have different kinds of customers and assess risk in a different way, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what the opportunity is, is to Absolutely. almost, you know, use the regulation and and use RecTech to automate the things that can be automated because insights, intelligence, competitive advantages cannot be automated. And you can only get to those competitive advantages if you've automated everything that can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we talk about um, regulatory authorities or supervisory authorities. Um, how to achieve collaboration with a supervision or, for example, with the FCA in in your town um, as a rec tech? I mean, how you, how to get a collaboration? For example, here in Germany, um, to get a collaboration with the BaFin, I, I don't know. It's that so easy. You know, that's a tricky question, right? Because we've worked with regulators from the beginning of our company, right? We've always been very open and presented our work and, you know, we've shared a lot of information, vice versa, right? And so it's been it's been great. Um, you know, going back to the name of your podcast, right? RegTech Impact. The impact of that collaboration, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it is, right? At times, it's not that easy because regulators obviously have a very specific mandate which is obviously correct as well in particular in developed countries it's praised right to not have a competitive agenda and to be like you know careful that they're not favoring one thing or an approach versus another so i think that the collaboration with regulation with regulators is is more along the lines of keeping them in the loop than maybe expecting them to to you know intervene or make a decision on what really is, you know, market competition. Um, And it's very difficult to achieve, as in in many ways, the problem with that is that it's actually very, very difficult to achieve a collaboration Mm -hmm. when there's not really like a a market or competitive advantage that gets created, right? And so I think because what happens is that then everyone wants to collaborate Mm -hmm. and in the process of everyone collaborating, a lot of time you have to, you know, you have to basically listen to everyone's opinions and not everyone's opinion is necessarily valid for your rec tech, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that if you're a rec tech, 
you want to balance out, you know, being open and transparent to the regulators and supervisors to obviously help them in their own understanding of technology versus the fact that you've got to run a business. And, uh, and I don't think that that's the role of the, of the regulators to help with, right? And so I think that that's something that you have to kind of probably, you have to just assume that what you give regulators is one way mm-hmm. and uh, not necessarily expect a collaboration. And in some ways, even the regulators listening is their own way of collaborating because it's in, in many ways good that they don't do more than that. Okay, that's very important um, insights, Diana. Uh, but what did you think? Now we can talk about the companies, about established companies. What yeah. do you think established companies do better than Rectax? I mean, I think that the, what they don't do better is the technology. But I think that the... Um, I mean, I'm not sure if it's that they do better or more that they are established, right? And so there is a reality about the fact that if, you know, nobody's been fired for hiring IBM, mm-hmm. right? There is an operational risk component um, that is also a regulatory component, right? That um, That is about, you know, picking, I guess, a solution that doesn't present, uh, sorry, Uh, that doesn't present any risk, right? So there is a, that element um, where if you've been around for long enough and you're big enough, right, usually that gives that comfort to whoever is buying you, above all in financial institutions who now have to be extra cautious since the financial crisis, that you're probably not going to fail, mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that people have started realizing as well that there is this element of, you know, are these large enterprise software companies maybe too big to fail themselves, right? So everyone would have said that in before 2008 as well, right? So I think there is an element where, you know, by picking what looks like the safest bet mm-hmm. now because of the regulatory request and the fact that they're not necessarily the best technology, um, not always, but very often, um, as a decision maker within a financial institution, you're also taking a, you're starting to take a risk as well, right? Because you can buy a massive shiny license from your typical vendors, mm-hmm. but if they don't deliver, you will be out, yeah, right? And, and so I think that that's the, you know, I don't think that there's anything really that they do better or anything that, you know, That from a technology perspective, they do better. Um, what they have, what they are, is simply more established, right? And so, when you're a young tech, you spend all of your time, uh, you know, not just building the product, but also really trying to look established, right? For that reason, because you want to, you know, de-risk the your buyer. Uh, to to you know the potential operational risk or the I mean you know even if it's fictional, but it's still perceived as operational risk to be too small, right? And so it's uh, so yeah. So I don't think there's anything that's done better. I think it's just more about the nature of just being an established company. Okay. That's, a, that's a very interesting answer. But to be able to transform the risk management or compliance function into The digital age, all parties, I mean, of the global ecosystem, I mean, public and private, should work together. Who globally can, is, are taking the lead in this? Um, so I'm going to give you 
if I had a magic wand in a perfect world, mm-hmm. it would be the the you know the public sector. So in a, in a perfect world, it would be the regulators taking the lead on it, mm-hmm. right? Getting a mandate from the government saying we're doing things this way, and the regulators being educated enough on the technology topic and conversation mm-hmm. to set the tone in the right direction for things to be implemented in a way that makes sense. So where they would actually be the ones bridging that gap because they would understand how to release a regulation in a format that can be absorbed by technology. Mm-hmm. That gap starts at the regulators because their language is the one of a legislative type language, right? Which is not how developers function or how database operate or anything that can be absorbed uh, programmatically. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world, you would basically end up in this approach. You know, I speak often about this, with this agile regulation concept, right? It's something that, you know, it's also been topical with the work that we do with the World Economic Forum. There is a, you know, you would want the situation to start from the very top of, you know, an administration, at, you know, politically that run through the regulators themselves and basically for the regulation to be released in, you know, a programmatic fashion and a legislative fashion and uh, and really for the regulators to take the lead on, on this. Okay. What happens in practice is mm-hmm. a bit different, right? So I guess now my my pragmatic answer would be uh, who should take the lead <laughs> on this. And, uh, and you see this again and again, historically, it's actually industry. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that, right? And so most standards that then end up being adopted by regulators as well, they, they're industry-led, mm-hmm. right? And this is where... Uh, industry has to, you know, like own their power of decision making and uh, and adopt the right thing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, industry, because obviously it's a capitalist approach of doing things, they kind of settle on things that overall make sense. And so globally, I would say, you know, GSIBs, like the largest financial institutions, um, I think it's their, it's their role to take the lead on, on certain things for yeah, the transformation piece it's very important but also the if we have talking about ecosystem and if you talk about the adoption of regtech solution i would also ask you the question which ecosystem around the globe have the best adoption of regtech solution and why i'm asking that so other business can know and try to understand what it could mean for their or on similar businesses Uh, to get the right, right exposure or what is out there. I mean, is there about um, how we can describe this type of ecosystem um, an open book about RegTech solution where everybody can find the best adoption? Yeah, I mean, I would say, obviously, I love the ecosystem we have in the UK. It's uh, very supported by the regulator directly, right, which is super mm-hmm. Um, you know, the MIS does a terrific job. I think now we're going to see more, you know, uh, of an ecosystem happening out of the U.S. with the, the new administration. Uh, you know, the Australian regulator has been, you know, quite interesting. The Canadian regulator has been quite interesting. Um, less, I would say, the ECB and, you know, European central banks than, than maybe they, they should. Um, and even, you know, the Basel Committee now, has become uh, quite focused on innovation too. And, and there are different um, regulators and different, you know, ESMAs, you know, different bodies that we have seen over the past few years, you know, be more supportive of fintech. 
Um, but obviously, it still remains quite country specific, which is why I was explaining, uh, you know, that obviously I think in the UK they've done a terrific job. Um, so there are some good ecosystems, but they're they're not perfect, no. right? And and I think that that's the the in some ways. That's why in an ecosystem that's led by the regulators is really positive and clean and nice, right? And that's what we have seen in the UK. But the the results are not as impactful as um, as what the industry can do, right? So, and I think that that's where the 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 gap is fundamentally, right? So we can have very powerful ecosystems of conversation. But that's not the same thing as collaboration. Mm-hmm. That means the most important part is the impact. We should we should talk more about the impact of RegTech. Completely, yeah. <laughs> like and I love that's why I love when you were explaining to me the reason for the name. I was like, I love that. Right? There is, <laughs> Thanks, Diana. It's uh, impact is everything, right? That's absolutely. But we are finally in the end. Um, <laughs> my final question is: Who would you like to have a coffee with or tea? Oh, so many people. <laughs> that is like, I'm thinking, uh, I mean, you know, it's, I have to say that one thing that I've learned over the years of doing this company and, and having, you know, very privileged access, I guess, to certain individuals, um, I've realized that at the end of the day, it's not necessarily uh You know, like your heroes from far away. I mean, they're still people, right? And and when you when you see people close close quarters, you can see all the colors and everything that uh, that makes someone beautiful and ugly, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say that you know I like having coffee with anyone that um, you know. Not it's not about putting people on pedestals, right? But I think that it, there there are a lot of people that maybe we put on pedestals, but they're not really that awesome when you get close by and then you know and i've met people like that right that i thought oh they're like amazing and then you meet them and you're like Ugh, what was that and if you can uh, give me a name i would say let, let's get uh, we can go to a cafe if you want <laughs> <laughs> you know I, there are some people who i've met and i've been like wow you know they're awesome and i'd like to spend even more time uh you know christine lagarde for example is you know one of those individuals thinking like that off the top of my head um, but I think it's more the concert, right? I was like, who do I like having coffee with? Mm-hmm. I don't tend to put anyone in pedestals because I've kind of realized that everyone is pretty much the same fundamentally. And what makes the difference is actually attitude and being someone that's kind. And so I like to have coffee with people that are that are kind and that don't take themselves too seriously or don't t- think of themselves too highly, no matter what has happened because of who they are or no matter what position they have, because you should just always be kind. And I know a lot of really important people who are super kind and really accessible and don't think themselves too seriously. And those are the people that uh, that I would say have really made it in life, right? So I don't believe in pedestals or this kind of titles or who's that important. If at the end of the day, they're not kind, I have zero interest in having a coffee with them. <laughs> Diana, it was a pleasure to having you as a guest of Rectech Same Impact. Here. And yes, I next time I hope we can do again and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Of course, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you very much.